So we're, we're looking at the book of Psalms, just to give you a big picture overview. Um, this is a book that's designed for, for God's people to use in a broken world. Um, it's, it's more than that. It's actually the journal entries of God's people as they navigate the mayhem that is the world we live in. War, famine, death, accusations, homelessness, despair. All the sad things of life uh, come to bear in the book of Psalms. But it's not just that. It's also a book of celebration. It's a book of praise for God's people. And the, the Psalms, if you're ever having a hard time uh, expressing your emotions to God, we talked this morning in Sunday school about um, how, how we should handle our emotions. Um, the book of Psalms, it covers the full range of human emotion, the full range of human experience. Um, every emotion you've ever had, you, you can see it played out here on the pages of Psalms. And so what we're going to be looking at today is the very first Psalm. This is an introduction to the book. Uh, it's a wisdom psalm, so it's going to give us advice for how we ought to live our lives. And it's written for you. It's written for us, God's people. So let's look at this, Psalm chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 6. This is God's word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I ask now, um, for faith, for faith to preach and for faith to listen to what you have to say to us. Holy Spirit, would you come and help us to understand your word, to understand that you are our refuge and that it's the man who takes refuge in you and in your word that is blessed and that is sturdy. Would you help us to understand that this morning? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's something uh, called prepping. Maybe you've heard of this. Uh, it's been on the rise since 2011. Uh, so much show, so it's been on the rise so much that uh, National Geographic picked up on this trend and they, they started a show called Doomsday Preppers. And maybe you're one of them. Uh, no judgment here. I, I get it. I get it. Uh, if you don't know what a prepper is, it's someone who's, uh, who's preparing for some kind of future disaster. And it's an old instinct. Humans have been doing this since we've been around. Uh, we're afraid of what might happen in the future, and we want to be prepared. Uh, whatever hardship might come, we want to be prepared. 
So I, I was looking this week at this Doomsday Prepper show, and I watched some highlights. It's actually pretty entertaining. Um, but one of the things that's interesting about it is that all the, all the different preppers they kind of zoom in on and highlight, they're all preparing for different disasters. So some of them are preparing for an EMT, EMP uh, strike. Some of them are preparing for nuclear war or for famine or disease or uh, an oil shortage. They've all got their own idea of, of what it's going to be, what this disaster is going to be. And they, there's definitely some similarities, but they all prepare uh, differently. And of course, each prepper thinks that their, their way of preparing is going to be uh, the best way. They're going to be the ones when, when things go south, they're going to be the ones that are prepared. They're the ones who are going to survive. <clears throat> this itch to prepare for disaster, this very human itch, it's nothing new. Uh, most of us, we want to be prepared when things go south. We want to be ready. We want to know that if, if something went wrong, we would be the ones that would survive. And our, our passage today speaks directly to this question. How can you flourish as a man, as a woman, even as a kid? How can you flourish even in the toughest times? And we'll, look, we'll look, uh, answer this question in two points today. You see them there printed in your bulletin. First, don't walk in the path of sinners. Notice, look at verse 1, the blessed man is first described by what he does not do. Not by what he does, but by what he does not do. Verse 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So here we've got three things that this, this blessed man does not do. Um, and when it says man, you know, you can... Um, it includes all of us. It's not exclusive just to men. This is true of women as well. And these three things are, are basically all saying the same thing. This is what's called parallelism. And it's a very common feature of, if we, as we go through the Psalms, you'll see it again and again, where it's going to re- say the same thing in a slightly different way so that you can get a more full understanding of it. So he says... Um, Walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers. Um, he's reiterating this point over and over again. If you want to be blessed, don't walk in the way of sinners. Now you might think, well, what about Jesus? Didn't Jesus, wasn't he a friend of sinners? Didn't he dine with them? So yeah, that's a great, a great question. We've got to answer that. Um, and it comes when we look at this word in Hebrew, the way. It says, he does not stand in the way of sinners. And this could have, uh, the way, when it says the way, it means the path or the pathway of sinners. It's uh, sinners are on a particular path that leads to a particular destination. And the psalmist is saying, do not walk on that path that they're walking on. Their goal in life, uh, the measurements of success, uh, the destination to which they're headed, is not to glorify and enjoy God. And so he warns us, do not walk in their way. As Christians, we're meant to be on an entirely different path. 
a path that seeks to glorify God, to get close to God, to enjoy God. And so to to walk down another path, a godless path, um, will lead only to destruction. Uh, the psalmist goes on, he tells us, well, what, if, if he's answering this question, what happens if you do walk in the path of the wicked? What's going to happen if we, if we do take that path? He goes on to say in verse 4, they are like chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. What is chaff? Um, Many of you, if you've been reading the Bible long, you're probably familiar with this, this idea of chaff. Um, it's, it's this useless husk that's around a, a seed of wheat. And so you can imagine you're a farmer. This is how you make your living. You harvest wheat. And you have a great harvest, and you get all, you get all the wheat in, and you've, you've you know, chopped it down and brought it into your barn. But now you've got a problem. All the wheat is covered in a husk. And you, you can't use the husk, it's useless. So you need to get that husk off. And how do you do that is you, you beat it together, you, you uh, break it off, but then you have to separate the, the wheat from the chaff. And so you throw it in the air, and the wind blows away the chaff. It blows away the light um, chaff that, that has no weight, it has no substance to it. The wicked and their ways, their goals for life, the psalmist tells us they are like chaff. They have no substance. There's no weight. There's no nutritional value. Uh, The the path they're going down is useless. In fact, it's actually worse than useless. It's it's getting in the way of the, the good stuff, the wheat that actually can provide, that actually can Uh, give us nutrition. And so, they won't last. They won't last through trials. When the wind blows, when the storms come, they will be blown away. This is true in the short term, but it's especially true in the long term. The, The longer you zoom out, the further you zoom out, the more time that goes by, this is true. Uh, This comes out in verse 5. He says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Now judgment here has has two meanings. First, like a little judgment. We all have little judgments uh, when basically the spotlight is shined on our life and you're going to be either seen to be uh, righteous or like, oh, you made a mistake. You shouldn't have done that. So that's a a little judgment. It could happen every day or... or, um, in all kinds of situations, but then there's uh, another meaning, that's the final judgment, the judgment day, also known as the day of the Lord. And the psalmist says, the wicked will not stand in judgment. Yes, sometimes in the, in the short term, lying, cheating, stealing can get you ahead. Wickedness can get you ahead. Glorif- trying to glorify yourself and not God can get you ahead. But, in the long term, their ultimate end is inevitable. God has stamped an expiration date on the wicked. 
He has stamped an expiration date on the wicked. As Christians, thinking back to the the show Doomsday Preppers, uh, as Christians, we actually don't think there's a doomsday coming. We, We know there's a doomsday coming. We know, and we even know uh, the, what type of doomsday it will be. It will be a day of judgment. And so we alone can be prepared for this day. The only way to prepare for this judgment day is to be hidden in Christ. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we're, we're glad you're here, but hear this. There is a day coming, a day of judgment. And the only way to be prepared, the only way to be ready for that day is to believe and trust and rest on Jesus. Christian, take take stock of your life. Take stock of your friendships. Have you unintentionally adopted the goals that the measurements for success of the wicked? Are you on a path that leads not to to more uh, glorification and enjoyment of God, but a path that leads to some other uh, worldly version of success? It happens subtly. It happens, um, it's not obvious. It happens slowly over time as you are just another fish swimming in the sea that is our culture. Romans chapter 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The psalmist wants us to know, God wants us to know, the way of, of glorifying self, it leads to one destination and one destination only, and that is destruction. It leads to destruction. Do not walk down that path. Do not walk down that path. So we see this is sort of the, the, sad, the sad part. This is what we ought not to do in order to flourish in the toughest time, but, but who does flourish in the toughest time? What can we do to be prepared for hard times? And you see this in point two. We must be, you must be, planted in God's Word. And actually, I'll change that and say, you must delight yourself in God's Word. You must delight yourself in God's Word. I look again at verse 1. It starts with this word, blessed. Blessed is the man. Uh, This word for blessed is like happy, uh, but it's a stronger happy. It's um, happy is the man. It's this sturdy happiness, this happiness that is not dependent on circumstances. It's it it um, no matter the highs or the lows, there is this blessedness because it comes from outside of yourself and outside of your circumstances, and so. Blessed is the man, happy is the man, who, now skip down to verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His pleasure, 
what he loves, what, what gets him out of bed in the morning, is God's word. Hearing it makes him excited. Reading it, talking about it, gets his juices flowing. He loves God's word. He takes pleasure in it. He's, he's one who, who listens, who wants to listen, who wants to sit and listen to the living God as he speaks in his word. And when does he do this? It says, on his law he meditates day and night. Now, when we think of meditation, we, we kind of think of this uh, Buddhist Western idea or Eastern idea of, of clearing your mind of, of everything. Uh, that's not what the Bible means when it says meditate. It's actually really the opposite of that. The Bible means to fill your mind, to focus all your attention on the truth that is revealed in God's word. And this man, this blessed man, his meditation is not, it's not limited to just a morning devotional. He's not, um, he's not stuck in a, in a rut of morning devotional, but he is, uh, he's meditating on it day and night. Uh, he walks. His whole life is, is a meditation extension of his understanding of God's word. He steeps himself in God's word. Like a tea bag in hot water, he's, he's steeping himself in God's word and becoming more and more infiltrated um, by his word. So we ask again, what, what kind of person will flourish in hard times? And this passage tells us it's the one who delights in God's word. It goes on to say that he, um, in in this metaphor, it tells us uh, not only is he blessed, not only is he happy, but more than that, uh, he is like a tree. So so what is this man who delights in God's word like? How, How could you describe him? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Uh, the picture the psalmist is painting here is a picture of a tree, a fruit tree, that's planted by an irrigation stream. And notice it's planted. It's not by accident. It's been put there on purpose, next to, next to water. And so it has, it's, it's a healthy tree. It's a durable tree. When the storms come, it's strong, it can weather the storm, the wind blows, it's, it's sturdy. When drought comes, when, when all the other trees start to dry up and wither, because there's no rain, its leaves remain green. It's planted by streams of water. The farmer can count on this tree to produce a good crop every year. It yields its fruit in its season. He knows he can count on this tree to be productive. If all the other trees aren't, this tree is. How? What, what sets this tree apart? Is it, is it a better breed? Is it a better stock? Is it the best clone, the best tree around? 
No, it's, it's not superior to other trees. It thrives for one reason, because it's planted by the living waters of God's Word. So I'll ask you, are you planted in God's Word? Do you delight to read His Word? Is it the joy set before you to hear from the living God? Dads, well, this was supposed to be a Father's Day illustration. I thought today was Father's Day, but it's actually next week. Um, we, I got a nice little card from Camille this morning. It was awesome. Um, and then we realized Father's Day was next week. So. Um, so we'll just pretend like it's Father's Day. Um, do, do, dads, do you want your kids to remember you as a sturdy, stable, steadfast father? I do. How can you do that? How can you do that when times are tough, when things are hard, when life throws all kinds of stuff at you? Delight yourself in God's Word. Delight yourself in God's Word. I want to spend a moment um, just answering this question of uh, uh, addressing some um, reasons we don't delight in God's Word. Um, Personally, this season has been a season where I have struggled to delight in God's Word. And so I absolutely get it. There's, there's many reasons uh, that we don't delight in God's Word. I want to just address a few. First, um, pain. And when I say pain, I mean it could be any, kind, any type of pain, but um, it could be depression or sadness or, or some other suffering that has just driven a wedge between you and God. It makes you... It makes you not want to be with him. And I'll just say, don't let that keep you away from God. God is very familiar with suffering. He's very familiar with suffering. Go Instead, go see what his word has to say about your type of suffering. I'm heartbroken. Well, is, does the Bible have anything to say about heartbreak? Has God spoken about this? I'm sad. Is there anyone in the Bible who's been sad? Has God ever spoken about sadness? <clears throat> whatever, whatever it is, ask Him. Go to Him and let Him um, hold your pain. Uh, teenagers, if you're a teenager or you've been a teenager, uh, you know that teenagers do this thing where uh, they assume that their parents could never understand the hard things they're going through. Right? I did this when I was a teenager. I got... I got dumped, and I remember I'm definitely not talking to my parents about this because they, there's no way they could understand. And so teenagers, you know, they say, you, you don't get it. You don't get it, Mom. You don't get it, Dad. I'm not going to talk to you about this. Of course, teenagers, your parents have been through very hard things, much harder things probably than you have been through. And they, they love you, and they know, they know what pain is like. They can help you carry yours. Christian, likewise, your Lord is very familiar with suffering. Not only personally, as Jesus walked the earth and suffered as a real man, 
But he also knows your particular suffering even better than you do. He knows your pain. Don't let your pain stand between you and God. Instead, bring it to him. Explore what his word says about it. That's one reason why we might not delight in God's word. The other is, or two more, the other is um, some of us just feel apathy. We just feel like, eh, I just don't, I just don't care. To that I would say, ask God to give you a desire for his word. Ask him. Beg him even. Pray, Lord, I want to be like this tree. Would you give me a desire to draw near to you, to know you through your word? Another reason we don't is we don't understand Scripture. We don't understand. Often we go to Scripture and we read it and we say, okay, well, I don't, I, what do I do with this? I, I'm not sure how this genealogy is going to help me today. Um, well, I'll just say this. You're not alone. You're not the first one who's had a hard time understanding Scripture and you won't be the last. Uh, in fact, in this book, The book of Psalms, like I said, it captures the full range of human experience. In Psalm 119, the psalmist who's writing Scripture says, Lord, would you give me understanding that I may keep your law? Even even the people who are writing Scripture sometimes would come to it and say, Lord, I don't know what this means for me. And so they would ask, God, please help me understand. Help me understand. And so that's great. That's okay if you don't understand. Pray with the psalmist. Give me understanding. And perhaps ask a friend, ask a trusted um, person who knows Scripture better than you to help you understand. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Who? Who is like a tree planted by streams of water? Is it, is it the man with the, the biggest retirement account? Is he the one who's going to be steadfast and sturdy when trials come? Is it, is it the one who's in the best shape? He's kept his body in, in peak physical condition, so when hard things come, he's going to be prepared. Is it the one who's got the best bomb shelter, who's got the best doomsday prep situation? He's prepared for all 12 doomsday possibilities. Is he the one who's going to be prepared? This passage tells us that love for God's word will fortify your future more than anything else. It's because God's word is the truth. It is, it is life. And it's not, it's not for everybody else. It's for you. And you. And you. And you. No, it's not the man with the best bomb shelter. There is a deeper reality that, that you and I cannot see. 
And God tells us, because we can't see it, He says this. Delight in this. This is where security is. My word. This is where safety is. This is where steadfastness is. To be a man, to be a woman who is planted in God's word. You've probably heard and seen a bunch of movies about old Spanish people, conquistadors, all these people looking for a fountain of life. They're looking for this fountain of youth. And, you know, I was looking into this this past week, and most of the movies we see are just, just purely fiction. But there was a period in the 1500s when the Portuguese were obsessed with finding a fountain of life. And they thought, they looked, they searched, they spent all kinds of resources, money, people died, boats crashed, looking, searching in Africa for this fountain of life. And, and it was rumored that if you drank it, you would, you would not get sick for 30 years. And if you bathed in it, you would return to your 32-year-old self, which some of you were like, yeah, that would be great, 32, I could get into that. Remember those days? I can't relate, I'm only 30, so I would... Um, needless to say, they went searching for it, they came up empty-handed. They, they couldn't find it, didn't exist. Turns out, it was uh, just made up by a fictional writer. This passage tells us that there is a fountain of life. There is a fountain of living waters. And it it is not in a jungle in Africa. It's right here. God has given us His Word. The living God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who spoke to Moses in the burning bush, He has spoken to us in His Word. God's Word is the truth. It is life. And not for everybody else, but for you. In John chapter 6, one of my favorite passages, Jesus is preaching. And He had just fed the 5,000. And... um, he starts saying some pretty weird stuff. He starts saying some witty, pretty weird stuff. And the crowds, you know, there's, there's 5,000, 10,000 people there. Uh, they, they didn't get it. They were offended. They, they started to walk away. I'm kind of leaving and, and like making a fuss while I did it. Like, man, what's wrong with this guy? <clears throat> and even Jesus' own disciples, uh, they, they didn't know what to think. And as, as the masses were, were leaving, Jesus, he turned and looked at, looked at his disciples and he said, do, do you want to leave too? Do you guys want to go as well? And Peter, Peter answered him in, in, in words that are very profound and I have clung to many times. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Christian, Christ alone has the words of eternal life. 
Delight yourself in his law. Let me pray. Lord, forgive us. We are so quick to delight in so many things. Or would you give us a desire for your word? Lord, I want to be like a tree planted by a stream. We want to be like trees planted by streams. Lord, would you please give us a desire for your word so that we might be sturdy, we might be steady, Lord. When hard times come, and they will come, we don't know what they will be. We try we try to find out, but we don't know. And so we pray that you would prepare us for those hard times. Would you plant us in your word? I pray this all in Jesus' name.